The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 114 Instability and Invasion The old prophet caught up to the prophet of Judah under an oak tree. Sliding off his donkey, the old man slowly walked up to him. Are you the prophet who came from Judah with the message for King Jeroboam? He asked. I am, said the prophet of Judah. I'm extremely interested in hearing more about this prophecy you told Jeroboam. Would you come with me and take some refreshment? I'm sure you're thirsty and hungry, offered the old prophet. I cannot, replied the man. God told me not to eat or drink in this idolatrous area or even go back home by the same way I came. I cannot accept help from anybody. I cannot stay and associate with the people here. The only reason I'm still here is that I had to rest for a minute. As the younger man rose with obvious effort, the old prophet stepped a little closer. I am a prophet too, he said. Left in this pagan land, when the ten tribes succeeded, God spoke to me by an angel and asked me to find you and bring you home so I could feed you. It was a lie. The famished prophet should have recognized that God wouldn't have given this man instructions that directly contradicted the command he himself had personally received from God. Nevertheless, in his hunger, he wavered. Wanting to believe the man, the old man continued, sensing he had almost convinced him. You are obviously faint and hungry. God wouldn't want you to collapse on the way home, would he? All right, said the prophet from Judah, I will go with you. They returned to the old prophet's house. Unbeknown to the prophet from Judah, he had made a terrible decision. Because he was so hungry, he fell into the trap of believing what he wanted to believe, that the old man was sent by God. The older prophet was not sent by God, but was a follower of Jeroboam's faith. God allowed this man to lie to the prophet from Judah to test his faith and obedience. As the younger prophet sat at the table with the older prophet, feeling sated with good food and drink, suddenly the old man sat back in his chair and spoke out in a loud voice. Because you have disobeyed your God and eaten and drunk in this city, you will never return home. You will not lie in the tomb of your family, but in the land where you sinned. Struck by sudden fear, the prophet of Judah bolted from his chair. He felt sick. I should have known better, he thought. I must leave, he told the old prophet. I must leave now. I will help you saddle your donkey, said the older man, who was also stunned by God's judgment. The prophet from Judah headed out onto the road as quickly as his donkey could run. 
As he passed through an area near Bethel, a huge lion crept from behind a nearby bush, gathered itself, and pounced. His punishment for failing to follow God's instructions was swift. Word quickly spread about the incident, and the old prophet soon heard about a man attacked by a lion. It is the prophet from Judah, he sighed. He disobeyed God, so he died. Turning to his sons, he instructed, Saddle my donkey, we will go out to see where he lies. They came up to the body cautiously, as the lion was still standing nearby. The donkey also stood by the body, untouched by the ravenous beast. The old prophet and his sons put the prophet's body upon his donkey and brought it to their property. They mourned over him and laid him in the ground. Bury me next to this man when I die, the old prophet commanded his sons. The prophecy he told Jeroboam will come to pass and I do not want to lie in the grave with the false priests whose bones will be burned on the altar. Jeroboam heard the news of the prophet's death and decided it was a sign that the man was not from God. He continued in his evil ways, hiring men of low character and ability for the priesthood. Just as God prophesied, Jeroboam's continued disobedience meant that his dynasty would not be established on the throne. To give one last warning to the sinning king, God let Jeroboam's son Abijah become terminally ill. No one knew what the sickness was, nor how to cure it. After trying every remedy he could think of, Jeroboam finally turned to an idea he didn't like very much. Our son is going to die if something is not done, he said to his wife. The prophet Ahijah prophesied that I would take the throne. Perhaps God has given him other knowledge regarding me and my family. What do you have in mind, she asked. Disguise yourself and take these ten loaves, some little cakes, and a bottle of honey, then go to see him. Perhaps we can keep him from guessing who you really are, replied the king. Although she was not thrilled with the idea, Jeroboam's wife agreed to carry out her husband's plan. She took a small entourage to the town of Shiloh, where Ahijah lived, 18 miles south of the capital. Her clothes were plain, designed to not attract attention by being neither too gaudy nor too poor. She would be helped in her mission by the fact that Ahijah was blind. Meanwhile, God spoke to Ahijah. Jeroboam's wife is coming to see you, he said. She will come in disguise. Her son is very ill, and she wishes to ask you what will happen to him. 
Here is what you should tell her. The queen alighted from her donkey in front of the home and walked slowly toward the door. She knocked twice. Come in, come in, came a voice from within. She pushed the door open to see Ahaja sitting in a chair at a nearby table. He turned his sightless eyes toward her. It is a great honor to be visited by the royal wife of King Jeroboam. Why would you try to pretend to be someone else? Please sit. Surprised, she sank into a chair. How did you know who I am? My husband asked me to come in disguise. And besides, her voice trailed off in consternation. I am blind, the old prophet finished, then chuckled. I may be blind, but God is not. He told me you were coming. He told me what you would ask. And he also told me what to tell you. His expression turned grim. It is not good news. You must tell your husband every word of what I tell you. Is that clear? Her heart was pounding. Yes, she whispered. Here is what God says. The prophet continued as his voice took on a commanding tone. I exalted you and made you the king of most of Israel. You had a golden opportunity to be a righteous king with a lasting dynasty had you walked in the example David had set. Instead, you flagrantly disobeyed my commands and turned your back on me, but you led the people into worshipping idols. You have turned so completely from me that you have outdone the evil of any ruler Israel has ever had. Because of all the evil you have brought on the nation, I will bring evil on your house. You will lose the throne. I have already chosen another to rule after you. He will destroy your family. After this, I will shake Israel like the reeds of the river and the people will be driven from this land by foreigners and scattered to lands they have not known. This is their fate for blindly following their king into the worship of these heathen idols. Jeroboam's wife sat silently trembling, unable to speak under the weight of what the prophet had told her. She knew he was telling the truth. Ahijah continued, now directing his words to her. As for you, my lady, you will return home. As soon as your foot crosses the threshold, your son will die. He will receive a burial with full honor, and the nation will mourn for him. He will be the only one of the entire family of Jeroboam who will lie in a grave. 
All the others will be eaten by animals after they die. Your son Abijah will be given this opportunity above the rest of his family because he did not support your husband setting up idols for Israel. Go now, tell your husband what God says. Whether he believes it or not, it will come to pass. Jeroboam's wife left as quickly as she could. She headed to Tirzah, which the king had made his capital after deciding to leave Shechem as fast as her entourage could move. As she mulled the prophet's words, she found herself hoping he was wrong. When she arrived, she walked slowly through the door of the palace, headed for Abijah's room. A servant met her in the hallway. She knew what had happened before he even opened his mouth. The boy had died, just as Ahijah had foretold. The nation of Judah was not faring much better than Israel at this point. At first, after Jeroboam's rebellion, Levites and those faithful to God poured south from the northern ten tribes in droves, trying to avoid the idolatry of Israel. After three years, though, pagan worship had taken firm hold of Judah as well. The spread of the foreign religions in Judah was not directed by Rehoboam, but it took hold among the people. Rehoboam did not pay enough attention to what was happening in the nation. He followed in some of his father's mistakes by having many wives and being more concerned with his own pursuits than the affairs of state. Five years after he had ascended the throne, Rehoboam received his reckoning. Scouts from the southwest border of Judah sent word to the capital that a huge army was moving in from Egypt with some 60,000 horsemen. 1,200 chariots and an innumerable infantry, Egypt and its allies were finally making a move on Judah. Rehoboam had been concentrating on his northern border with Israel, keeping the bulk of his army in the fortified cities there. He quickly realized that these forces would never be able to get to the Egyptian army in time. Southern Judah quickly fell to the Egyptian host. Rehoboam desperately scrambled to find enough soldiers to defend the capital. He had enough to garrison Jerusalem, but not enough to meet the Egyptian army anywhere outside the city. Jerusalem was vulnerable to siege. Pharaoh Shishak was the leader behind the invasion. He had sheltered Jeroboam during his flight from Solomon's death sentence. Now he stood at the head of the Egyptian army as it swept toward Jerusalem. Judah began to bring food into the city, preparing for the inevitable. People from throughout the kingdom began to come into the city, filling every available accommodation. The mood among the people was fearful. 
even though Solomon had fortified the walls against this kind of attack, all Egypt had to do was wait and starve out the inhabitants. Finally, as Shishak's horde drew within a few miles of the city, the gates were closed and barred. No one could go in or out. Among the people who had taken refuge in the city was the prophet Shemaiah. He was the man God had used to tell Rehoboam not to attack Israel. The prophet asked for an audience with the king and the leaders of Judah, who were all gathered in the city. His request was quickly granted. God has a stern warning for you, Shemaiah said, looking around the room at the worried leaders. You have broken his law and turned to the worship of idols and the pagan religions of the nations that surround you. The horde of Shishak will overrun this city and you will be at their mercy. After this announcement, he left the room, leaving the princes of Judah alone with their thoughts. These men quickly realized their error. Some immediately began to beg God for forgiveness. Others waited until they had returned to their homes. The leaders of Judah repented of their evil ways, forced out of desperation to confront the wrong they had fallen into. Shemaiah called another meeting not long afterward. He had better news for the men this time around. Because you have humbled yourselves before God and repented of your sins, I will lessen your punishment, the prophet explained. You will not be destroyed. However, you will serve the kingdom of Egypt as vassals, and he will spoil your city. You will pay tribute to him, just as nations paid tribute to you in the reign of Solomon. You will know what it means to serve man and how much better it is to serve God. Rehoboam and his council eased slightly, knowing that they would survive the impending invasion. Suddenly, one of the watchmen from the wall burst into the room. The Egyptians are here! To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story, find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.com.